Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for inviting me to come and share with you this evening. Let me first apologize. Uh, I was invited on another occasion, and uh, being you know, a busy pastor, not keeping up with your schedule very well, I forgot, uh, and I do apologize. So I thank you that grace abounds that you've invited me to come back and to share with you. I think uh, if I had not come back, uh, I would have uh, been flogged uh, by Mark. Uh, but uh, he'll tell me about it later, yeah. Um, so I, we love you too, Mark. You know that. Uh, so again, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm back because I did want to come and, and share with you. I do think uh, the work uh, here at uh, Richmond Hill is very important. Um, um, at least one station, one uh, vigil is here praying for our, our church, uh, well, our city. And so we thank God for that, that there is a, a community that continues to do that for us. Uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, share tonight. Thank you for the songs. Uh, thank you for the scripture reading. Uh, thank you for all of that. That's good worship planning. I appreciate that. It's going to make the preaching easier. We do hope. I want to share tonight, uh, brothers and sisters, probably from a familiar portion of scripture. At, at Fourth Baptist, we've been uh, studying um, the body of Christ uh, to understand it better. And uh, for some of you um, who don't know, I've only been at uh, Fourth Baptist 12 months, five days, um, about 17 hours and 10 minutes and 30 seconds at the church. And so I'm, I'm fairly new to the congregation, um, but um, I'm, the Lord put on my heart that we need to come together in unity and the body of Christ sharing from that thing seems to help us to do that. Uh, I'm proud to um, be the ninth pastor in its 160 year history. And so I embrace that history and then also uh, pray that the Lord will help us to use that very same history to uh, take us into the future that the uh, Lord has for us. So again, I thank you. For coming and invite you to come and visit anytime you so desire the Lord leads you. I want to share from a word, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, verses 15 through 16. And uh, uh, I grew up on the New King James, or really more King James Version, but I wanted to read that uh, tonight in your hearing. And it reads like this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the body, the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causing growth of the body uh, for the edifying of itself in love. I want to read that 15th verse again, just the A and B part, but speaking the truth in love. I want to entitle uh, this evening's message, Speak the truth in love. Let us pray. Lord, we come tonight. We thank you. And we thank you for here in your house. We are unified. We are together. We are one body in Christ. We pray even now by the power of your spirit, you will continue to bind us together. Help us, Lord, we pray to be your body in this age. Continue to show us our function. Continue to show us our purpose in this age we find ourselves in. We thank you for the ministry of Richmond Hill. We continue to pray your blessings upon 
them as they share this community with this city and continue to pray for it. We pray and lift up all of our churches and our communities, the pastors, the leaders, church leaders in them. And we pray, oh God, that you bind us together as one body. Help us not to see east or west, north or south, but help us to be one body in Christ. Now, Lord, help us as we seek to preach your word. Bless both your prophet as well as your people. And then we shall be blessed. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Let us all say together, amen and amen. Speak the truth in love. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, the day we see the truth and cease to speak is the day we begin to die. In that context, he probably saw a lot of atrocities that were going on in his day and time. And he himself, knowing the truth, wished he had more people who would speak the truth with him. There were some who possibly were in the church, there were possibly in the community, who saw some of the atrocities that were going on but were silent. And this probably caused him much pain. I want to say that today, in the age that we live in, we still need to speak the truth. And if we don't, we will die. Our churches will die. Our nation will die if we don't speak the truth. There are some that are willing to sit by and watch this slow death that is taking place on the conscience of America and say nothing. The church needs to be the first that speaks. Because it is us who have the truth of God in our hearts. We know the truth. And the Lord has told us, when you know it, what will it do? It will set you free. Amen. I want to say to you, my brothers and my sisters, our nation needs to be set free today. Amen. We are bound by some old sins. We're bound by some old atrocities. We're bind, bound by old ways of thinking. But the only way that we will be free, the only way that we will live again, is if we speak the truth. Amen. Now, guess what? I know sometimes we are prob- we're probably a little reticent, not so willing to speak the truth because we think that the truth will divide us. It will cause us to be, go further apart. It will cause us to turn our backs on one another or give up. The truth can hurt sometimes. Amen. It can hurt if we speak it harshly, if we speak it in condemnation. But here, Paul doesn't just talk about what we should do. He tells us how we should do it. Do it in love. Now, he's not, of course, he's not talking about the nice, feel-good kind of love, not the Rodney King saying, can we just all get along? But what he is saying here, he is saying that the truth is important, but how we do it is important as well. And how we do it is to speak it in God's love, with God's intent. Speaking God's truth. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about our personal truth, not our perspective. But there is a truth that supersedes all truth. And I want to say it's God's divine truth. Now, I know a lot of us like Oprah. and Oprah has a phrase, your truth. I'm not talking about Oprah's truth here today. Because that smacks of an individual truth. And let's be honest that when most of us see one issue from one perspective, that is our truth. But it's not the truth. The church has to speak God's truth all the time. And God's truth cuts to the core. It cuts to the issue. And that is what Paul was talking about. Here in this text, the church at Ephesus was a divided church, an immature church. 
They were still, even though they were supposed to be walking with the Lord, they had one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they continued to fight. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, we've got churches who've got one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and we're divided. This is a time, I think, just in Martin Luther King's day, that the church needs to be united and speak the truth in love. See, again, at first glance, we think speaking the truth is harsh and it will hurt. But Paul, in a, in a very pastoral way, lifts up three benefits of speaking the truth. Here, I want to share the first benefit with you today. And that is, if you look at that first part of the text, the 15th verse, he says here, may grow up in all things into him who is the head. In other words, brothers and sisters, here's the first benefit. When we speak the truth in love, we grow up. And Paul says particularly we grow up to the head. In other words, he's talking about spiritual maturity, spiritually mature persons. When someone else sees them walking wrong, they will tell them the truth and do it in love because the benefit is, is that we will become more mature. That's the benefit. Of us speaking the truth in love, it will benefit the hearer. It will benefit us. It will benefit all of our neighbors. When we speak the truth in love, we will grow up. The reason why we see a lot of turmoil in our land today is there's some immaturity. Selfishness. To believe that this planet, this world is not big enough for everybody. And not even making room for everybody. Becoming territorial, being divided by tribes, that's immature behavior. And Paul says, that's not what the Lord has called you to. I preached a sermon last Sunday, we have not so learned Christ. In other words, Jesus didn't teach you that. Amen. There are believers all around that are on one side or the other, and they think that it's a Christian duty. No, Christ there is no north or south, east or west. There is only God's way. There is no left or right. It is his truth that gets to the point of the matter. And that's why he says, not yours. It is God's truth. We mature. We understand how to be tolerant of other people when we tr speak the truth in love. We understand that the food won't run out. If it's enough for us together, if we work together to sustain it, to make healthy communities, we know we're mature people and we can figure out the hard things that come our way. But we got to speak the truth in love. And that is what Paul was telling this church at Ephesus. He was telling them they were acting very immature. Amen. Children don't like to speak the truth. Amen. Amen. Many of us are parents probably in this room, you try to get the truth out of a child after they've done something wrong, what do they do? They begin to hedge their bets. Am I right? Immaturity. Thinking that if I tell the truth, I'm going to be harmed. But not knowing the freedom and the liberation that the truth gives to us when we speak it in love. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. I'm preaching if you don't know it. Amen. That's the first benefit. It doesn't cause any harm to us it helps us to grow up when we speak the truth in love Paul gives us another benefit here in the text if we look at it again here in, in that second part in 16 he says here from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share the first benefit of speaking the truth in love is that we grow up 
we become spiritually mature. We're more mature as Christian soldiers. We're more mature as adults. We're more mature as citizens in the world. But then here's the second benefit. When we speak the truth in love, we grow together. A lot of us think that we, when we speak the truth in love, it will divide us. Oh, I can't say that. You know, I'm going to lose some friends. I'm not going to say anything because I know they'll get mad at me. But if you speak it in love, people know when you speak it in love, speak it in God's compassionate way, and you tell them about themselves or you tell them about the situation, they know when you love them. And they'll receive the truth. And they'll love you even more for doing it. <laughs> There's some, and I know the ladies will know something about this. Um, but uh, my mother grew up in the South. She was from Louisiana. And there's a, a, a saying that they used to have uh, telling people, you know, uh, an old saying. And, and it's, a, it's a bit about speaking the truth. That They go up to a lady, and some of the ladies will know what I'm talking about, and say, your slip is showing. What they were saying, that there's some hanging out, some out of place. And the next thing usually came with it was, baby, let me help you fix that. Well. That's what we need to do now. We think that uh, telling someone about maybe their shortcomings or maybe that they don't see the whole picture, that that's going to divide us or keep us away. But Paul says, no, it binds us closer together. The truth does that for us. And when we do it in love now, if you're going to tell the truth and, and then laugh at somebody because their slip is showing, that's not in love. But if you're telling them so that they won't be exposed, so that they won't be the point of ridicule, then you're helping them and they will love you in return because you have loved them enough to tell them the truth. Amen. How many people have loved us enough and pulled us aside when we were going the wrong way and told us we were traveling down the wrong road? See, that's even what the gospel is. Amen. It's not about condemning somebody else. It's about being motivated by the love of Christ so much that you don't want to see that other person fail. And in response to that, they understand the love that you have for them. You risk the relationship by telling them the truth and you love them enough to tell them the truth. Amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Mark, for the amen corner over there. So speaking the truth benefits us, brothers and sisters, and from Paul's perspective, because it makes us grow closer together. It binds us together. Here's yet the third and final benefit that I want to lift up. I'm sure that there are more uh, from this text that we could go on and on and on about. But here, my brothers and my sisters, Paul gives a final benefit as to why you and I should speak the truth in love. What happens when we do it? Look at verse 16b, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The first benefit is that we grow up. We become more spiritually mature. Second benefit is that we grow together. Uh, and then guess what? We grow out. He was talking about growth. And he was talking about how the church really grows. I like Paul's metaphor of how the body comes together and for the church. It teaches a whole, uh, a lot of lessons. Every system that's a part of it, every system plays a part. Respiratory system, skeletal system, um, nervous system, all that comes together. But all of it needs to be working right in that second benefit, working together, and then it grows. 
I also do some adjunct teaching at STBU. And um, I often talk about, and I teach church administration, and I use this metaphor and I talk about now. How many of you have seen the Frankenstein monster? Seen it? You know, Bella, was it Bella Lugosi you seen? I grew up watching that. I'm trying to date myself. But, uh, and watched them. But if you notice, you, you can see the stitches, everything, and every, the bolts and everything. But you notice how the body moved, right? It didn't move smooth and beautiful. It was jerking around. And that is what Paul is trying to get at here. That when we speak the truth in love, we grow up at mature. And then guess what else happens, brothers and sisters? We grow together. We begin working together better. And then guess what happened? We're working at our best because we're now able to grow as the Lord would have it for us. And notice how he says it builds itself up in love. We're continuing to speak the truth in love, but love is the catalyst that continues to build us up. And guess what that does? Love is attractive. Other folks will see it. They won't see us divided. They will see us spiritually mature, speaking the love and truth to, to one another. They will see us coming together. And guess what they else they will see? They will see how we love one another and build each other up and not tear each other down. And guess what they'll say? The rest of the folks that are outside, I want me some of that. That's what we do. We as the church work together as a body. And in the hard times, we speak the truth, even though it's hard. We speak truth to power. And it binds us together. That's what made the civil rights movement so effective. It was the church that came from all denominations, all races, different parts of the nation and around the world. And they were united in one effort, speaking the truth. And it brought them together. It even brought our nation together. I say it works and it'll work today. If we speak the truth in love, we won't be harmed. Paul says there's benefits. We'll grow up. We'll mature. We'll, be, we'll get better at what we do. And then guess what? We will come closer together. And then finally, we'll build our own selves up in love. And the other people will see, see how they love one another. And we want to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. Jesus says this, and I make no bones about it. At, at Fourth Baptist Church, one of my favorite gospels is, uh, the Gospel of John, and Jesus had this final word to say, and actually this is my, uh, the sermon, the text that I used for my initial sermon some 25 years ago, John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance uh, with them, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. Regarding salvation, the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. The truth will surely set us free. Let us pray. Lord, we come tonight. We thank you for your manifold blessings. And most of all, we thank you for your truth. Lord, it is your truth that teaches us and even alters what we may believe as our own truth. Your truth is just. Your truth is righteousness. Help us to walk in that truth, to share it, and to love our brothers and sisters enough to share it. Help us, Lord, as the evangelists that you're sending out in the world, help us to share the good news, this truth. 
and everybody that we see. We desire the benefits of speaking the truth in love, and that is that we may grow up, and that is that we may grow together, and then we may grow out, that we might continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead. I like to say, I'm